Good morning. This is George here at Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. I'm so glad that you're tuning into our podcast. We're in Acts chapter 11. We've been doing this sermon series called The Acts of the Holy Spirit. This is just a study through the book of Acts. Chapter 11, you know, you when you first look at it, you think, well, that's not very exciting. There's not much going on. Oh, but there is. There's a lot more going on than you may think. Sit back, go get your Bible, and enjoy the Word of God with us. We'll be talking to you soon. God bless. And i got to tell you, what we heard last week is still resonating in my mind. The gospel of the cross is now open to the rest of the world. We've got to think about how valuable that is to the rest of the world. You see, it's only been open to the Jews and for the Jews. But God orchestrates this incredible meeting between Peter and the centurion named Cornelius. The most unlikely thing that could ever happen in the home of a centurion for Peter to be able to go in and preach Jesus Christ. That just doesn't happen. But God orchestrated it. Peter had his own vision from God showing him that what God has created is not unclean. Go to the next slide. Peter's vision, was it about the food or was it about people? people. It was about people is what it was about. It wasn't about the food at all. And the Apostle Paul later is going to teach us, you know, it's okay not to criticize or condemn somebody that eats something that we don't particularly feel is right. That's what he was really teaching the Jews because they were stuck in the law. And God had to change that in order to see for these for these uncircumcised people to be able to come into the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Cornelius, he had his own thing with seeing the the angel come down. And that was just an amazing thing. And at the same time that Peter was seeing his vision or somebody knocking at the door, here's these three men coming to pick him up. It's just all of it was just too Coincidental. It just doesn't happen that way, but it did. It did. So let's look at Acts chapter 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judah heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. Now, I, I want, I, we understand what he's saying, but they were actually in Jerusalem. Judah, or Judea, is actually the country and Jerusalem is the capital, is their town. It's, it's, it's where they are. We are in Tuolumne County, but this is Tuolumne City, where we're at. I just want to make sure that you understand that. Because so many times it'll say Judah, Jerusalem, Judah, Jerusalem. Well, where were they? Well, they were in Jerusalem. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision contended with him. Hmm. Different translations say it a little differently. They argued with him. The Jewish believers criticized him, or the believers took issue with him. 
I mean, it wasn't a good time. They took issue with him, saying, verse 3, you went into an uncircumcised man's house and ate with them. That was a big deal. He technically was unclean in the Jewish faith because he had entered this man's house. This was against all Jewish law. You can't eat in a Gentile's house, and you certainly should not enter his home. But Peter explained it to them, verse 4, in the order from the beginning, saying, I, I got to tell you, this is really interesting to me because I, I don't fully understand what Luke, why he did it the way he did it. Luke is going to tell us word for word exactly what he already told us in, in chapter 10. It's a very interesting thing. And, he, and I, I look at that and I go, all right, Luke, he's probably hearing the story right now for the first time himself, you know, from Peter. But for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit guided him and had him write the things a second time. I don't know why that is. Why would the Holy Spirit, who anointed Luke to write this story, to tell us the same story we just read? The only thing I can say is, God wanted us to hear it twice. That can be the only reason. Is God's in control. The Holy Spirit is anointing them to write. And he, this is so important that he wanted us to hear it twice. Verse 5 says, I was in the city. Peter's speaking here now. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance, I saw a vision. An object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners and it came to me. When I observed it, verse 6, I intently and considered, let me read that correctly. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. All these things were considered unclean in the Jewish faith. He was seeing everything that they weren't allowed to kill and eat. Verse 7 says, I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And I thank God for verse 8 because Peter was honest. He said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. Not so, Lord. Verse 9, But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed you must not call common. Hmm. Man, we need to pay attention to that. Verse 10, now this was done three times and all were drawn up again into heaven. Verse 11, and at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Verse 12, then the spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. Well, it's kind of interesting. Don't go with him. Don't doubt anything. All right, Lord, but I'm going to take a bunch of guys with me. You know, I'm going to take some guys just in case I fight my way out, Lord. You know, I, I don't know what. I'm going into a centurion's house. But he took these six guys with him. Verse 13, and he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, 
Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. That, it's kind of an interesting thing, too. We don't, we don't pay a lot of attention when we read through the Bible and we go through the surname. It could have been a nickname, you know, because Simon was his name. And who gave him the name Peter? Jesus. He got the rock is what Peter stood for. So Peter, and, and soon, and I think in chapter 13, we're going to see Paul actually called Paul instead of Saul. But the interesting thing about that is nobody gave him the name Paul. Saul probably truly was his surname, a middle name. It was probably Saul, Paul, or whatever his last name was. And all of a sudden in chapter 13, they call him Paul. Moves from Saul to Paul. It's kind of an interesting phenomenon, but that's the way it shows. Okay. Verse 14, is that where I'm at? Who will tell you words by which all your household will be saved? Man, we got to pay attention to that. That's some exciting stuff. You and your household will be saved. Man, I stand on that. Peter's going to tell you the words which you and your household shall be saved. This is a lot better stuff than you're all acting. I'll tell you that right now. You're all quiet. You, your family shall be saved. It's just amazing. Amen. Verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us in the beginning. Now we know that there are many. We talked about this last week. It's the second time we're looking at it. There are many manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Many manifestations. You know, it, it could be boldness and power, a fearlessness to preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit uses all of it, but he knows, he is in the Holy Spirit, knows the one thing that these guys from Jerusalem are going to understand is if these people start speaking in tongues like they did, they're going to know without a doubt the Holy Spirit has fallen upon them. I've had people say, well, there it is, the Holy Spirit. Everybody's got to talk in tongues. It says right there. No, come on, bite me. If you want to speak in tongues, brothers, sisters, you can. It's a gift. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and it's yours if you want it. You still have the Holy Spirit if you don't. If you've accepted it and asked for the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's in you. It's upon you. It's what gives you the boldness to continue to be a Christian. Amen. Amen. But he did it because he knew, the Holy Spirit knew, this is what they would recognize. And verse 16 then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall baptize with the Holy Spirit. But you, and that you includes you, all of us, you shall baptize with the Holy Spirit. We need to remember that. We have that power and that ability within us. Verse 17, if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I should withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent. Verses verse 18. And they glorified God, saying that God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Man, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. He has granted salvation to you and me, to all of us. You don't have to be a Jew. We're adopted Jews. We're in the family of Christ. 
Come on, it's a much bigger deal than you're all acting. That's the second time I had to say it. Are we awake? Can I get an amen? amen? It's a big deal. It is a really big deal. Well, Pastor, you're sitting down, so we're not too excited either. Well, maybe I should get up and start jumping around. I don't know. This is way too big a deal. In fact, it's the biggest deal ever. Let's go to verse 19. Now, those who scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen. You guys remember that? This has been a few years back now. It's been since that's actually happened. They traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. See, it didn't tell us that earlier. Remember it said that they scattered and went out, but they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they were only going to Jewish synagogues. They were only going to people of the faith, of the Jewish faith, to their homes and their gatherings, and they were preaching the gospel to them. They weren't preaching it to everyone. Verse 20, it says, But some of them were men from Cyrus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. Now, you remember the Hellenists. They're the ones that Stephen was actually part of their clan, if that's what you want to call them, or part of their group, their heritage, whatever. He, he was part of the Hellenists uh, group. So they were preaching to the Hellenists. Verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was on them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Man, that should excite us. Verse 22, then news of the things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go to Antioch. Now, I'll tell you, there's a whole lot going on behind the story. There's a whole lot going on that we don't, Luke doesn't give us a lot of details, and I've studied this pretty in-depthly to find out the rest of the story. It's kind of like a Paul Harvey moment, you know, the rest of the story. But Barnabas, why would they send Barnabas? Barnabas wasn't a, a, a preacher. He was an encourager. He was a son of encouragement. Remember that? He, he lifted people and encouraged people. If we want to be like anybody, we should want to be like Barnabas. Do you know that we have a Barnabas in our midst, and he's not here today. I was going to give him some kudos. But that's, that's um, Rod. Rod is a Barnabas. He will come to my house, typically on a Monday, because he knows I'm kicking back and relaxing on a Monday, just to encourage me. And he'll do nothing but talk about encouraging things to encourage me, to make me feel better, to lift me, to let me know I'm on the right track, we're going to the right place. He's an encourager. That's what he does. That's what he does. And we need to be, we need to have more Barnabases in our midst. So they sent Barnabas and we'll talk about why here in a little bit. But they sent, it, sent him there. I lost what scripture I'm on. What, what number am I on, anybody? 23. And when he had came, he had seen the grace of God and was glad and encouraged them all that with the purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. Did you hear that? This is what he comes in with a big smile. He's, he's Barney, man. Come on in. He's that guy that everybody wants to hug, and he wants to hug on everybody, and he encourages them. Hey, stay on this path. Continue with the Lord. Don't give up. That's what Barnabas does. 
For he was, oh, listen to this, the Lord now talks about him. This is verse 24, it says, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Now, don't you want that to be said about you? That's, that's what I pray, that, that the Lord has that to say about me, that I was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what we strive to be. Then Barnabas departed to Fort Tarshish to seek Saul. Well, there's a reason why he did that too. Barnabas isn't a preacher. Barnabas is an encourager. And he says, you know what? We're here in Greek territory, and I'm going to go down and get Saul of Tarshish because he's a preacher. He not only has the, the current covenant of God, of Jesus Christ, but he knows the Old Testament too. He knows the laws. He knows everything. I'm going to go get Paul. And I'm, this is where Paul and Barnabas partner up. He goes to get Paul, or goes to get Saul, which is going to be Paul. Verse 26, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people and the disciples and and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. That's where they first called them Christians. Isn't that awesome? And actually the guys love it, but you know it wasn't historically when you look back it, it was actually it was actually kind of a joke. They, they were calling them little Christ. You know, these Christians, they're just, they're just you know, they're just flighty. They're just little Christ. They want to help everybody. They want to love everybody. It was, it was really a, a form of sarcasm that they were giving them. But the apostles loved it. Because also in the Roman culture, it was common for them to put an IAN after who they served. You know, we are part of... I don't know, think of one and, you know, the, the Romans name, they put an I-A-N, just like on Christians. Now they put Christ young, they put I-A-N on the end of it, like we're little Christ. And that's exactly what we are. You can call me a lot of things. Yes, I'm a registered Republican, but I don't care. I am an American and I love America. I'm a Baptist preacher, but guess what? All I want you to call me is a Christian. That's what I'm part of. That's who I belong to. That's, that's what I want to be recognized for as a Christian, not even as a Baptist. I just want to be known as a Christian. I don't, I don't care about the politics of the thing. I just want to be Christ-like. And that's what we should look at. And that's why the apostles loved the fact, yeah, you can use it as sarcasm, but it works for us. You can use it. Verse 27, and in those days... And in those days, prophets from Jerusalem came to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up by the Spirit and said that there was going to be a great famine throughout the world, which has also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Wow. This was pretty serious stuff. And, and, the, and it actually does happen. There's going to be a famine. And these people understood what the famine could potentially mean to the church in Jerusalem. Now, here's the backstory of why they sent Barnabas. Remember I told you I was going to tell you a little about that? There's a problem in Jerusalem. There's a problem with the church. 
The Christian church in Jerusalem is already impoverished at this point. This has been about 11 years since the stoning of Stephen. A lot of time has passed. We don't realize it because he doesn't make it clear in the timelines. But it's been 11 years since Stephen's death. And we know that in the church, when the, when the persecution began, that people from the church began to scatter and move about. And you remember what the church in Jerusalem was doing. There was all these people were coming here saying, sell your property, bring the money to the church. We'll take care of you. Remember that? We'll take care of you. This was a form of socialism. And guess what? Socialism never, never works. It just simply doesn't work. That's why we have these crazy politicians in our current day trying to make us more socialistic. They're wrong. It doesn't work. Why do you think there are so many people right now, I'm getting on my, my little horse here, but there are so many people now that won't go back to work because the government's been paying them. They like it. Let's just stay home. Let's not go to work. Let's don't pay rent. Let's don't do anything. That's what socialism brings in. Now, we know that all the people who left Jerusalem at this time, they were the ones who had the capabilities of taking care of themselves. I'm out of here, man. I'm sorry. I'm not going to put up with this persecution. What's happening right now in our day in the state of California? There's a great exodus of people leaving the state of California. That exodus is going to boom if, we, if they don't impeach Governor Newsom. A lot more people. A lot more people are going to be leaving the state because it's becoming a socialistic system. You're going to run. If they're going to tax you so that we can feed all the homeless people, you're going to go, I'm going to go where I'm not going to be taxed. I'm out of here. That's what happens. It's exactly what happened in the Church of Jerusalem. They were left with all the people who kind of liked not working, being hanging out at the temple all day long. That's cool. That's really cool. You know, it's okay. They liked, you know, having everything provided for them. And the church has been doing this for 11 years now, and nobody's bringing anything back in. And so the church is in trouble. And so they, this, this, this prophet comes to here to Antioch where the church is flourishing, literally flourishing. The apostle Paul is preaching. People are coming to the Lord. People are giving. The faith is growing. And that's what was happening behind the scenes. It's proof to me that socialistic government just does not work. They'll run. If people get taxed, they will run. Think about this. Do you remember the Apostle Paul telling us? See, he knew and he understood and he really preached it. 2 Thessalonians 3, 9 through 12, it says, Not because we do not have authority but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. The Apostle Paul worked everywhere he went. He made money doing what he did. He supported the church. He never wanted to become a burden to the church. In verse 10, he says, And when, <clears throat> for even when we were with you, I commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Now, granted, there's a whole bunch of us that are retired, and you're thinking, i got to go back to work. That's not what I'm talking about. Well, you guys have worked hard to be retired. You know, you're finally getting a little something for your retirement. Praise God. But you still got to stay active in the church. you still got to be a part, and you're here, and I praise God for that. 
what the Apostle Paul was saying here, if you're going to do nothing, well, look at how he goes on to say, he says, for we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, and are busybodies. Hmm, I'm not going to stay there long. Verse 12, now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat your own darn bread. You know, don't, don't expect a free handout. There is no free lunch. Well, except for when we have a potluck. But hey, guess who's paying for that? Y'all are. We're all bringing it together and we're sharing it with one another. But there is no free lunch. Socialism simply does not work. And the church in Jerusalem was in trouble. 1129, it says, Acts 11:29. Then the disciples, disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren in Judah. They understood famine to come into the land at this point, the mother church in Jerusalem would collapse. They knew it. We have, and this is the first time, the first time as Christians, they were from another country, another tribe, another language, sending money back to Jerusalem to support the mother church. Man, I think we got something to learn there. We are to support one another. If I found out, I guarantee you, if I found out the Methodist church on the other side of town was struggling and have a hard time, I would come to you guys and say, we need to help. We need to help. We need to support them. They're there preaching Jesus Christ. And we need to help. And that was the first time that this happened. That each according to his own ability. You know who used that for his agenda? Karl Marx. Think of This is what he would say. Each according to his ability and each according to his needs. He took it right out of the word of God. Because he was promoting socialism throughout the world. And it's still out there. It's, they're, they're still fighting it and still coming. And they understood. Verse 30, this they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. What a better two than to take it home to the mother church to help them through this, this drought that was about to come upon them. What a blessing. The church is working together, supporting one another. We've never seen it ever in history before happen like this. Well, maybe you're thinking that this chapter wasn't very exciting. Well, hold on. Because wait till we get to the next chapter. It's going to start off with the beheading of James, the brother of John. You want some excitement? Peter gets arrested and thrown into prison. An angel comes, releases him from prison, walks him out to the street. He goes down the street, knocks on the door of his friend's house where they were praying for him, and they didn't believe it was him. This is amazing. Isn't it amazing? God strikes Herod, and he's eaten with worms. That's all next week. So we got some real exciting stuff coming. I was thinking, man, this is going to be boring. But you know, it wasn't boring to me. We had stuff that we needed to hear and learn. We need to know. And you know, when I say socialism doesn't work, that doesn't mean the church isn't going to help people. That's what we're here to help and support people. But you know, at some point, if you're paying somebody's rent and they just refuse to go get a job, at some point, you cannot continue to do that. You have to do your part. 
we all have a part. Can I get an amen? amen. Tony, could you come back up? And if I let you guys go this early, um, you'll all spend it down there at the restaurant. So I'll figure out something to keep you a little longer. Hold on. I'll let you podcast people go.